Good morning, everyone. Glad you're with us today. Hope you're blessed. I've been calling around, talking to people in our church, church family, not just here, but around the world, and and uh, just grateful to see how people are using this time to press in and drawing their hope from the Lord and getting their peace from the Lord. It's wonderful to see. This is uh, Mother's Day in Portugal, so we say hello to all of our Portuguese friends and wish them uh, Happy Mother's Day. They really celebrate it big over there. Next Sunday, we'll be celebrating uh, Mother's Day here. I'd like to tell all the kids and young people, this is a time to pull out the stops. This is a time to really honor your moms. Uh, they have been really... Um, going through a lot. Uh, some of them are homeschooling for the first time. Just lots of things happening. Uh, let's make this year especially special. And uh, someone has opened a tab at Amity Coffee Shop here in Penyan, and any mother uh, can go in there next Sunday and just uh, get a drink of their choice and just enjoy uh, a, a special drink from Amity on Mother's Day. And so we'd like to make you aware of that. Uh, had a chance to walk a little bit this morning before church, saw deer in the meadows, amazing blossoms down here this time of year. Tulips, I think, are my favorite flowers, and they're out in abundance, uh, blossoms everywhere, bird activity everywhere. And I noticed that you can't have daffodils without dandelions. And uh, it just seems like there's so many good things happening, so many beautiful things happening these days. But there's dandelions. There's things that just try to wreck it. And if you're watching the media, if you're attuned to what's going on during this uh, uh, crisis that we're in, there's dandelions. There's just dandelions anywhere, and you can't seem to get on top of them. And uh, I'd like to just share something I think would be a remedy for that, something that might be a source of encouragement for you. Uh, these are turbulent times, and, and I'm aware that We've been able to do this, but uh, I'm just concerned. I'm, I'm not concerned about um, getting the disease or our people getting the disease. I'm not concerned about that. But I'm concerned about how we manage the turbulence, the ups and downs, the turbulence, especially in the next couple weeks. We've all been expecting to get back to our lives, being able to do what we normally would do by, by Easter, and that didn't happen. They moved the cheese on us uh, by a few weeks, and... And it's possible that uh, that could happen again. And so that's what I'm concerned about. And that's what I'd like to speak about uh, this morning. If you go with me to Psalm 30, verse 7, David experienced a lot of turbulence in his life, a lot of ups and downs. And uh, he was going through a particularly difficult time here. And he says, uh, Lord, by your favor, you've made me steady as a mountain. But when you hid your face from me, I was troubled within and um, I, I've spent a lot of time in the mountains, and, and there's nothing more steady than a mountain. He said, Lord, when you showed me your favor, it made me steady as a mountain, solid, unmovable. But he had a sense that God had turned his face from him, or he lost the presence of the Lord for whatever reason, whether it's just the enemy trying to convince us that God has uh, taken his favor from us, or we lose the presence of the Lord through our own disobedience, there's an agitation. He said, I was troubled within. I, I remember uh, when this verse came alive to me, I, I, it made me think of a time when I was a little kid. We had these big old wash machines back then that, that uh, had a little motor on the side and a, a big tub. 
with a, uh, a thing called the agitator on the inside. And I would just be a little kid. I'd get up there, and the reason you had to have the wash machine open is you had to attend it. You just couldn't throw your stuff in the wash and then walk away. You had to, you had to attend it, and you had to take all the clothing out and run it through a ringer, sometimes once or twice. And I was just fascinated by this, but I remember learning the word agitator, and that thing would go in there, and it would just be agitating. And when I looked this word up, uh, in the Hebrew, David said, I was agitated. I, my, inside me, I was just feeling turbulence and uh, agitation. And you could throw food down there. You could throw anything, pills, drugs, alcohol, anything, and it won't change that. Uh, the only thing that will really change it is getting back our peace, getting back the sense of God's favor, that he's looking, that he's listening. And I just thought I'd run some references today and you can do this on your own, just on the word trouble, because uh, there's a lot in it for us. These are turbulent times. These are troublesome times. And um, so far we've been able to manage, but I'm concerned about this next little phase that we're coming into. But let's go to the scripture and find out what it says about trouble. We'll start in uh, 2 Corinthians. We'll stay in 2 Corinthians, and then we'll go to John, try to keep it simple for you. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Uh, he uses two words here. He uses the word tribulation and he uses the word trouble. It's actually the same word in the Greek. And I don't want to be tedious about Greek and Hebrew in a message like this. But uh, the word tribulation is stress or pressure. And um, he said, uh, we've been comforted by God who comforts us in a time of tribulation. And uh, these, are tribu these are times of tribulation. And uh, then there's a time coming, which is called the Great Tribulation. And I don't know that we're in there at, that, at this point in time. There are people who are prophesying that we are. I don't know that we are, but it's definitely a time of, of tribulation, of trouble. And he says, now, God comforts us. We can get our antenna up and we can hear from God. We can get a sense of uh, 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 peace, uh, get a, his, his heart in the thing, get us, lend our ear to hear what he's saying, put our head on his breast, hear what he's saying, then we've got something to give away. And I think that's the goal. And that's what Paul did. So let's, uh, again, without getting into all the Greek and Hebrew, because sometimes there's little variations that changes here and there. Uh, but in general, what we're talking about is stress. In general, what we're talking about is uh, pressure. And um, let's find out what he says about this for us today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, a few verses away. He says, For um, we don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which has come upon us in Asia, uh, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. If you stop and think about that, that's, that's an odd encouragement. That Paul's saying, uh, I want you to know about the trouble we've been in. And uh, we, we were in so much trouble that we thought we were dying. We, were, we thought we were, gonna dis we were despairing of life. We were burdened. Uh, one thing about Paul that I've learned that I appreciate about him 
is we learn more about his times of trouble than we learn of his time in paradise. There's comfort in it for us somehow. He says, we went through it. Not only did we go through it, but we endured. We come out of it. We were despairing of life. And we want you to know what happened to us. There's some kind of comfort in knowing that it's survivable, knowing that it happens to godly people, good people like Paul. And uh, he says at one point in time, he says, God was with us in trouble. He does comfort us, and he will comfort us. There's this constant. It's, it doesn't matter what side we are, what phase we're in, we can expect, expect God to comfort us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, a couple chapters away, verses 8 and 9, he said, we were hard-pressed on every side. Talk about pressure. We were hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We were perplexed, but not in despair. We were persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. This is Paul. And uh, he went through an awful lot. I remember, I remember one time, um, just before, when I was seeking the Lord about what to do down here in Penyan, and uh, I didn't have a, a, a green light, I didn't have a word from the Lord about starting Wellspring Fellowship. We had taken the better part of a year off just to really seek the Lord, and uh, a number of things happened during that time, but I, re I remember not knowing what to do, uh, clueless, just knowing, just put in this pressure spot a vice. I couldn't go forward, couldn't go backward, couldn't move to the either side, yet I didn't know what to do. And I, and I remember coming to this verse and, and realizing, I thought, I looked it up and I thought, well, what, Paul, was, Paul was perplexed and I didn't know what that meant. And I looked it up and it described my condition. I thought, well, isn't that amazing? Paul felt perplexed. I feel perplexed. I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. And that's what the word means. I said, Lord, I'm perplexed. I found Bible language for it. Help me. Help me to get out of this. Help me to move beyond this. The next week, I happened to find myself down at the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York City. And uh, Pastor Jim Simbola invited all the pastors and the missionaries who were in the place to come forward for prayer. And I went forward, and he laid his hand on me and held it there for the longest time. And I could feel the favor of God. I could feel the presence of God. And then he prayed the simplest prayer. He said, Lord, help this man with the perplexities of life. Help him to get on the other side of it. Show him what to do. Give him wisdom. And in a week from that prayer, I knew exactly what to do. The perplexity had left. I, I knew God spoke. I knew that we're to start this church. This is uh, 10, 11 years ago now. And when um, I felt this perplexion from time to time since. It's something that happens to us. Listen to this. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 and 6. He says, For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. Physically, a lot of stress. Our bodies had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts and inside were fears. What a picture. And this is Paul trying to He's not being super spiritual. That's what I love about him. He's just being honest about what he was going through. He said, we were under tremendous pressure, pressure from every side. 
There's stuff happening on the outside of us, and there's stuff happening on the inside of us. He said, but nevertheless, God who comforts those who are cast down uh, or downcast, that's the word we get depression from. And uh, he said, God comforts those who are cast down. And he comforted us by the coming of Titus. There is pressure. There is stress. Um, uh, with, with it, one of the words for, for tribulation is cloudy thinking. Where it's almost like you stir up the bottom of a stream and the water becomes cloudy. I think there are times where something we get under so much stress that there's like a breaker that blows inside of us that our mind goes blank and we just, we can't remember, we don't know what to do, we can't think clearly. And that's a time, that's not the time to make big decisions. That's the time maybe to say, look, I'm in stress right now, I can't really make a good judgment call on what to do or where to go or what to say. And so we defer to others. We invite other people who aren't feeling what we're feeling. We invite them to help us and give us perspective and speak to us. That's, that's what pastors are supposed to do, but we go through times where we're perplexed as well, where our thinking's not cloudy. Some people, I've heard people say, well, I must, it's showing my, I'm showing my age. The older I get, it seems like I'm, I'm more forgetful. I'm more, uh, my mind's not clear. I don't think it's that. I think, I think the stress level in our country and really around the world, I think the stress level has gone up significantly in the past few years, not just during this crisis, but it's been increasing. I think there's a time of great tribulation coming, and there's an escalation toward that. And what happens is, is during those times, you're, you're, a, a breaker blows where your mind isn't as clear, and it's actually in the definition of tribulation. Let's look what you see what Jesus said about this. In John, we'll just go through some verses in John. John chapter 12, verse 27. says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? He said, no, but this is the reason I've come. I've come for this purpose. This is just leading up to the cross. He's, my soul is troubled. What should I do? Say, get me out of this? Is this why I'm here? I'm here for this purpose. In other words, Jesus' tribulation, his trouble, increased up until Gethsemane, which was a, a time of great pressure. And he said, should I pray my way out of this thing? What if this is what I'm supposed to do? This is part of my purpose. But even Jesus experienced tribulation. One time he was under so much pressure that his perspiration turned to blood. And, and that can happen where there's a, a, something that's happened in our souls that affects our bodies. And Jesus experienced that. Whether you're David, whether you're Jesus, or whether you're Paul, you can experience tribula tribula uh, tribulation, turbulence. Uh, to not experience it, you wouldn't be human. But... What you do with it once you do experience, that's the issue. And that's what Jesus speaks to next. In, first, in John chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he goes on talking about mansions in heaven. I think, I think we cannot control the circumstances around us. We can't control what happens at certain levels of government. 
We can't control what other people impose on us, what they decide for us. But we can decide what happens on the inside of us. We can be in control of that. He said, let not your heart be troubled. And that's tribulation. That's stress. It happens. It happens to all of us. But we don't have to let it ruin our lives. We don't have to let it take over. Let not your heart be troubled. And he goes to trust. It's, it becomes a trust issue. You believe in God. I believe in me. And I think, I think the reason for troubles down here is it should make us long for heaven. I long for heaven more. Heaven is more sweeter to my soul because I've gone through troubles down here. I, want, I, I, I long for heaven. I, I think that's what should happen for all of us. We should long for a life to come. And he talks about, I will come again. I won't leave you. I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, you will be forever. I think that's part of the key. Jesus is coming back. And if this time and what we're going through reminds us of anything, we should remind us of this. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. He's coming back for us. In John chapter 14, verse 27, just a few verses away. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's on us. That's, our, that's not something he can do for us. It's something we must do. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives. What the world gives uh, for peace is circumstantial peace. It's when the economy's going well and the employment records are low and, and uh, lots of good news. That's, that's so, that's so, it's so rare. It doesn't happen very often. Aren't you glad Jesus isn't giving us some promising circumstantial peace? The peace he promised was the peace that he experienced when they were going to throw him headlong over his cliff in his own hometown synagogue. The peace when the crowds were against him. Peace when they were trying to trap him. Peace when they called him a liar and a deceiver. Peace when they came against him and tried to stone him. He had peace. It was an inner peace. And he says, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Part of our whole life existence down here, because we're in the world, we're in this world, there's tribulation. Jesus said it. He said, but in the world you shall have tribulation. And that was true for him, even though he's the son of God. And it's true for us. There's never been a time when there isn't stress, when there isn't pressure, when there isn't turbulence. And this just happens to be one of those times that we're in. There's always been trouble. And you see right from the, from the day of Pentecost, when the church was born, that day, Peter gets up and he said, these are the last days. These are the days that Joel prophesied about. We're in the last days. And it, it began on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. And ever since then, there's been trouble been wars and rumors of war. There's been conflict for the church and persecution, difficulties. It's always been. I think of my grandfather, that he was born around the time, just um, 
uh, before the second or the first world war. And it was called the Great War. It, there was no other war like this war. It was a global war. Most wars were very regional. This was, this was a world war. And in fact, they called it the war to end all wars. 20 years later, World War II happened. And uh, he's sending his own son off to war to be a medic in World War II. One of the worst jobs you could have in World War II. And then my grandfather lived to see the Korean War and he saw the Vietnam War. I remember him watching it on this TV and watching the news of just, just there's never been a time where there really hasn't been constant turbulence or stress or tribulation. It's in the world. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Now that's on us. That's our responsibility to keep our heart. We can't, we can't control what happens in the world. We can't control what happens in politics. These are like some of the worst days I've ever seen in politics. We can't control that. But I can control my own disposition, my own peace, my own cheer. We can't avoid trouble. But we can, we can manage what, how it affects us, what happens to us on the inside. Now, here's what Jesus said. This, again, goes back to helping us have perspective. Jesus said, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day, for the day is its own trouble. In other words, just say it. He's saying, every day has its own trouble, enough trouble. I, I've been doing that these days. I, I, I've been just stopping partway through the day and saying, I can do today. Today's not that bad. Yeah, today's, there's dandelions and there's daffodils, there's both. But I can do today. I can, I can take today. I have grace for today. What I don't have is grace for all of my past troubles ganging up on me. I need to de resolve those, all my conflicts and difficulties and past mistakes. I can't deal with all of that plus today's troubles and then take on all the troubles that could have, all the what-ifs and the things that might happen. I can't take on all of that. Uh, something will happen, stress will cause me to stove. I'll, I'll, something will happen to me if I take on all that stress. I can manage the stress of today. And Jesus said every day has just enough trouble. You can manage that. We can't get into tomorrow. Let's just look at a couple other examples that I think will be helpful and we'll close. There's a story in Luke chapter 10, verse 41 where Jesus goes to a certain village, he goes to a house, and they're going to provide some hospitality uh, for him. It's the house of Lazarus. It's Lazarus' sister, Martha, and Mary, and they're there. And Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, but Martha was distracted with much serving, it says. And she approached Jesus, and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. I can picture her saying that. It, it wasn't nice and sweet. It wasn't even. She's got her hand on her hip when she says this. I picture that. She's a, she's, it's been brewing. She's been in the kitchen counting all the things that she has to do, all the things that could go wrong, all the things that are on a time schedule, and she's getting frazzled. And there's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Maybe with the other men were there, and she's just hanging on every word. And, and the more she saw that, the more it bugged her. Why, why can't she help me? 
And what happens here is so powerful is sometimes we feel pressure on the inside. We get distracted by that pressure. And then we transfer, it, transfer that to somebody else. We can take it out on our kids, take it out on our husband, take it out on our neighbor, take it out on our best friends. She turns it to Jesus. And she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to provide, serve all alone? Tell her to help me. And Jesus looked at her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. In other words, she's feeling stress. She's experiencing turbulence. You're worried and you're troubled about many things because somehow... She's probably in the kitchen counting all the things that could go wrong, all the things she's got to do. And he speaks to that. Rather than caving in and telling Mary to get up, he addresses what's going on inside of her. It was happening to Martha. He said, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. It's not to say there aren't times that things are hectic and things are busy. And there is pressure. There is pressure, especially if you're a responsible person. But sometimes what happens is it brews inside of us until we transfer it to somebody else and we look for someone else to blame for what we're feeling on the inside. She did that to Jesus. What I love about what Jesus said here, Martha, Martha, I can hear him saying that in a way he's trying to minister, in a way he's trying to relieve her of something. What if we take this same verse and we take her name out and we put our names in and we listen for Jesus? What would he say? What would he say to you? I think sometimes we go to him. Can you imagine what Jesus hears in prayer? I think he hears a lot of people coming to him and say, Lord, don't you care that this is happening? Won't you do something about this? And I think he hears a lot of Martha prayers. I think he hears us praying our worries and our pressure. And we try to, in prayer, transfer all of our pressure to him. If we could hear him, I think that he would speak to us and say, Martha, Martha, pen, pen. I think he'd, he'd help us to see that blaming somebody else isn't going to resolve our conflicts. One more time. I'd like to just share another verse. Jesus stepped into the, a room, an upper room, where the disciples were huddled together. This is right after the crucifixion. And when he stepped into the room, they panicked, and they thought they had saw a ghost, a spirit. He says, look, spirits don't have flesh and bones to handle me. And, and they reach out, and they touch him. And he says to them, he said, they were terrified, they're frightened. And he says, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? I think that's a question we should ask ourselves more often. Why? Why are we troubled? What they believed wasn't true. Jesus countered that lie with the reality. You can handle me, touch me. But he wanted to go right to the issue. Why? Why are you troubled? I've been thinking about this for my own self. You know, uh, why, I, why am I feeling stressed these days? Actually, life is good for us in so many ways. Our, our people are doing well. My big thing is I can't get a haircut and I can't be with our people. We can't have meetings. We can't go on with our, our lives per usual. And that, that bothers me. But I also realized that, you know, when I, we were just renting the First Baptist Church and we just had a, our little payment there, 
That was one thing. Now we own properties. We own buildings. My, we have mortgages. Our, 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 our a mortgage. Our stress level has increased with responsibility. And I think about all the young people who could just live carefree, just work and, you know, they don't have any responsibilities. Once you get a mortgage, once you get a couple kids, everything changes. Everything changes. Your stress level goes up because you're responsible for somebody else other than just yourself. Why am I troubled? When I stop and think about it, it really is just those things. And I have to go and, and trust the Lord for it. There's trouble. There's tribulation. But what's coming, and it has to come at some point in time. If we've been in tribulation for 2,000 years and there's great tribulation, and that's what Jesus taught, that's what Paul taught, if there's great tribulation coming, when does that come? And how does it come? Does it come on one day where it's just one day it's little tribulation and all of a sudden it's great tribulation? How does that happen? I'm not a big end time guy. So I, don't, I, I don't read a lot about it. I don't teach a lot about it. I don't focus on it. I, I know that there are people who make a big deal about it. There are people who te teach uh, uh, pre-tribulation. In other words, before the great tribulation, there's an exit that we're, we're hauled out. There's a, an ejection that takes place. And before it gets to great tribulation, we're taken out. And I could see the appeal of that teaching. I mean, that makes sense. I would love to be taken out before the trouble comes. The problem with, with that is, is there is a sense of escapism that says, you know, before it gets bad, we're out of here. We're, we're gone. Then you look at Jeremiah, and he's, he's going through tribulation. The very tribulation that he prophesied, he actually went through. I think if you knew you were going to go through it, you wouldn't prophesy it quite the same way. But there's pre-tribulation, there's mid-tribulation, which I, appeals to some, you know, it's going to be bad, but before it gets really bad, then we're taken out. And then there's post-tribulation, that's what Jeremiah experienced. And then there's pan-tribulation, and pan-tribulation is, is, it'll all pan out in the end. And even though that's an old charismatic joke, I never get tired of it, and I, that's probably where I am more than anything else, uh, I don't think about it very much. I don't understand a lot of all the end time theology, all the end time stuff. I really don't get that. I don't, I don't teach it very much. I just, that's not where I'm at. But I do have a sense it'll all pan out in the end, even though that's to be funny and that's a charismatic joke that's been around a long time. There's something to it. There is great tribulation coming. When that comes, I don't know. I do know that what the Lord says he says, it's going to be like the day of Noah leading up to the flood. And what happened leading up to the flood? The day the flood came, people got married. So there's going to be marriage. That means people have a sense of hope. They have a sense of the future. They wouldn't get married if they thought the tribulation was never going to come. Right up until the day that the ark closed the doors and the rain came, people were getting married. I think all the wedding photographers in our church should take courage by that. He said, right up until the day that the, the Lord comes back, this is Jesus' teaching, he said there'd be seed time and harvest. There'd be people, two men, working out in the field, and, and one would be taken and one would be left. And, and God promised that there'll always be seed time, summer, and harvest that'll never cease. And so we don't know. It looks like work is happening. It looks like life is going on. It looks like food's being produced. But there is a great 
tribulation coming. So let me close with this. Let me just say this. It'd be, good, it'd be worth your study today, in this coming week, when you have time, to take the word tribulation and use it as stress or pressure. Take the word trouble and do a word study. Run your references. David talked a lot about it. And so I'd go, I'd start in the Psalms. Um, I would take comfort from what God is speaking to you these days and use that to comfort other people. I think that's a huge key. What if we use this as a dry run, regardless whether the great tribulation, how far away that is, or where, whether that's already begun? What if we say, well, how well am I doing during this time of trouble, this time of tribulation? How well am I managing my stress now? How well will I do if it increased? How well will I do if if we lost our civil rights, if we lost our freedoms, if we couldn't gather to worship, how well would I handle that? What would I do? How well would I take this? And, and, and I think that's really worth thinking about. If we're not doing very well at this level, how are we going to go if it's going to increase? Let me close with this. I had a pastor who uh, grew up in England, and he told me this story one time. He, he, t he said that he'd go down to the ocean and he'd watch the fishermen fish. He said they'd reach down and they'd grab, a, grab a, a handful of gravel, pea gravel, and they'd throw it in the water. Then they'd get their line right in there and pull out a fish. Get a, reach down, grab another handful of gravel and throw it in the water and then get their line in and pull out a fish. And he, he watched them do this many, many times. And he asked an old fisherman, he said, uh, why do you throw the gravel in the water? And the old fisherman said, when the waters are troubled, the fish really bite. I think this is a time to fish. I think this is a time for us to testify. I think this is a time to be bold. I think this is a, a time to tell people what we believe and that there's a heaven coming and that Jesus is coming back for us. I think this is a time to preach. I think this is a time, a wonderful time. Anytime there's tribulation, the fish really bite. I think we're going to have opportunities, especially in this next couple of weeks. If people ask you for the reason, for the hope that you have, why you have peace, use it. Use it as an opportunity. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about what he's like in the midst of the storm. Tell them what he's promised you, what he's assured your heart of. Tell them of the hope of heaven. This is a good time to fish. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for everyone that's listening today. Or whether they're in trouble, or whether they're in peace. I'm asking, Lord, that you'd make them steady as a mountain. I'm asking, Lord, that you'd shine your face upon them. Give them peace, your peace. I'm asking, Father, that you'd make them aware of your favor so they become steady as a mountain. Whether they're in a valley or whether they're in a mountain, we know that you're with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. Thank you for that assurance. Thank you for that hope. Strengthen every heart and use us, that comfort that you give us, that we'd give it away. We'd have something to give away. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. And next Mother's Day, I hope you celebrate big. Let's go, let's pull out the stops. Let's go big on Mother's Day this season of our lives. Go down to Amity, take your mom out for coffee. It's Someone has paid the tab already, and it's there waiting for you to enjoy. God bless you.